Radio check. Over. Welcome back to Radio Check. This week, we're going to combine the female voice of rangering with my new goal a series of episodes that explore who put you in charge. Who put you in charge? Who put, who put you, you in, in charge? charge? Talks with ranger leadership. But wait, a woman has never led the rangers. <laughs> How much you are about to learn. We're going to join my intro to a discussion I had with Jay November Holmes, a.k.a. Angel. Radio check. We talked about it and we had a meeting and Crow remembered a video about 1996 Burning Man where all of a sudden comes up Vanessa Coomerly has a, an appearance and it is titled as head of security. So everyone said, well, we got to find her. So I look up that name in Facebook. And of course, we have eight mutual friends. And they are the eight coolest people in my Facebook friend world. It's Mark Pauline from Survival Research Lab. It's John Law, who ziplined off Helco. It's Chicken John, who's done everything forever. It's Monica from All SRL. Wonder Pants, and then Jay November Holmes, who I knew from when SRL came to New York to do a show at a gallery. I ended up working with them, and uh, Jen Holmes was in charge. She was a woman in charge and doing an awesome job at it because she didn't need, she just needed to let you know once she was in charge, and then that was fine. <laughs> like, do what I say. <laughs> yeah, it, it was full on. It's exactly what you want in a leader. If you need someone in charge, it's me. Then go do your shit and we don't have to talk about anything, which is exactly how it went. And everyone fell in line. So I contacted Jen, who we're here with today, and she said, well, I don't know about her, but I was her second in command in 1996. And I'm the person who, who gave a quote just two, like a minute before hers. And I went, well, great. Well, then I can talk to you because you were second in command of security for Burning Man in 1996. And it was two women in charge. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today. It really is a high point of this arc of Radio Check, Department of Institutional Memory, Ranger, Memories. Holy shit. Very excited to be talking with you today. Absolutely. So um, uh, technically, if you look at the Ranger handbook from 1996, we have a handbook. Um, and I might have one somewhere, some <laughs> I don't know, box somewhere. If I find it, I'll let you know. But in the handbook, um, there was a list of people to call in an emergency. You know, like, okay, if there's an emergency, if there's a crisis. So technically I was number four on the list, but it was Vanessa, Danger Ranger, J.D. Bogman, and me. So we were the, we were the list. And I mean, you know, John Law was technically on the list. John Law was the Department of Public Works in and of itself. He was it. That was like one, you know, like it was the DPW, period. So anyhow, Michael Michael was kind of like our figurehead. Mm -hmm. And then Vanessa was the head of security. And J.D. Bogman and I were her deputies. Yeah, and, and technically, um, and sort of below me was Joseph Pred. He was the, you know, he was the newbie. He was brand new. But then he eventually took over. Awesome. You know, so he was head of security. She was head of security. And then there was a list of people to call. But this was in the Ranger manual. So had it been yes. decided that there was going to be a security team and a Ranger team? Or was just the Rangers? Are no, no. We were all just one team. So the and Rangers, we were the Rangers. You so, were. So... 
everybody says Michael Michael was the head of the Rangers, mm-hmm. but he really wasn't in a like he was like our spiritual head, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, like yes. he was, you know, and definitely he was, you know, like he made all the shirts, you know, he like did all the stuff, but like in an emergency, Vanessa was really the head of security. You guys did operations and he was overall overarching uh, yeah. spirit yeah. wolf, <laughs> spirit animal, and did yeah. some sort of outreach and made the shirts. And he did he did the things that he did and did them well. And he's a great figure. Right. He's been that way forever. And right. And I mean, he would go on, 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 on search and rescue, you know, things. And he certainly, you know, did stuff. But like when it came to like running the meetings and like, you know, Vanessa was the head. Okay. Um, and uh, at the time, uh, she and John Law were partners and just sort of everybody, I mean, at the time, nobody was paid, you know, like right. we were all just fucking making it up. Um, <laughs> Which is part of why I'm doing this, because it's so built now. Right. I, I say this in every episode. It's so built now. You think it's done. It's going to a major corporation. We've, we built it. When it was started, people were just throwing shit at the wall. What's stuck? That's what we're doing. And right. trying to instill that in people who are new. That there's still room to throw stuff at the wall and try something different. Right, so, right. So. Yeah, I mean, it, what people don't understand is that there was no DPW. It was John Law and whoever he could get to help him, you know. There was, you know, the Rangers were, you know, Vanessa and whoever she could get to help her. Um I think in 96, we had a kind of a total of 10 functional rangers. Um, I, how many I mean, well, like we had some very, very dysfunctional rangers, but like people who were really, um, and that would include, um, so the functional rangers were um, J.D. Bogman, Joseph Pred, William Abernathy, John Saragardi, Cena Hansen, Ed, who I believe... It has died, Fry Cook. And then John Law had his little group of people, mm-hmm. you know, who would help him, which include Chicken, included Circus Boy, Tim Simpson, included. There was this, but we all did everything, you right. know? Like, everybody did everything. Yeah. And there was really not a whole lot of division. Right, if someone was there good was, at something and that needed done, they would do it. And everyone stand around like, who's going to do that? I'm good at this. I'll do that. (laughs) Right. So in 96, you guys were, you know, there was this list of four people. Were you there in 95 or 94? I mean, I was there in 95. Um, I was not there in 94, but my dad was. My dad was there in 90, whatever, 91. Like whenever it first went to Blackrock. So yeah, when you so when you came in ninety five, you did you come because you were friends with Nessa? No, you came with your dad. No, or? no, no. I um so actually in ninety five I was working for Wired magazine, and I traveled to Burning Man with Bianca's Smut Shack and the the Wired gang of people. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I went is because I was already very involved in cacophony world. Right. So my dad started the St. Stupid's Day Parade and the First Church of the Last Laugh, which was a big sort of San Francisco, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a big parade on April 1st. Um, and my dad had been going to Burning Man and he was friends with John and Michael and Larry and everybody. And 
you know, he was very involved in the cacophony thing. I lived in London from 92 to 94, so I wasn't around for sort of that. But I moved back in 94 and then started working for Wired. Mm. And so just sort of spiraled it. And at Wired Magazine, I was in the accounting department initially, and our accounting department were the Butoh dancers who used to dance around uh, Pepe Ozan's lingam. So is this just randomly yeah. all of a sudden the Wired group, like... What, so to get hired in the accounting department, you had to be a butoh dancer? Kind of. And if you weren't a butoh dancer, you became one. Um, and I stage managed that group of butoh dancers. They're called Collapsing Silence. And in the early videos, like especially 95, 95 was the last year Pepe did an actual lingam. Uh-huh. And um, in the old days... Uh, it was like the temple. It was very yeah. like it, you know, it was very similar that was the to big the temple. Show. It was it was the other than Burning the Man. It was the other big show because in '99 right. there was still an opera. Right. Yes. Yes. The opera. Yeah. So I saw that. And, so I got a taste. Yeah, and in the old days, um, we would burn the lingam, and then we would go and burn the man. <laughs> it wasn't like there were two separate shows. It was burn night, and that you know right. you did both. You know, like, so in 96, they were split up. So there was huh. the opera and then, and then the man burn. So that's what you're doing in 95. In 96, we find you on the list of emergency people to call. Who right, are right. In- so I stage managed the Lingham burn, right. you know, that, that first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went into security. And um, in March of 96... Larry asked me to go out to dinner with him to talk about Burning Man for that year. And so I went out to dinner with him. And very oddly, I ran it, we ran into Flash and Dana um, out on the street, which was just funny. Yeah, totally. And we went out to dinner and he's talking about, you know, Burning Man 96 and the theme is going to be Dante's Inferno. And we're going to have, um, we're going to do a play and uh, Larry asked me to be Beatrice, the angel of divine wisdom from Dante's Inferno for this play he was going to do. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be in your play, Larry, but as long as it doesn't interfere with my security duties, because I'm really, going, you know, like, I'm going there, going to help Vanessa and John. You know, like, I'm sure I'll be in your play. So how, so between 95 and 96, how did you get involved in doing, wanting to do security? Like how did, did Vanessa ask you or was it just something that would danger ask you? No, I mean, you know, we were all friends right? and like. You're just sitting around the table with John and Vanessa and they were like, we're going to. Yeah. I mean, like we were, we were doing all these events together, all these like cacophony society events and I mean, I remember when Vanessa called me and asked me if I would be one of the people on the list. You know, I, I remember that. Um, but, like, we had done a whole bunch of things together, and we just kind of grooved. Yeah. You know, we, we understood how to control crowds, just sort of instinctively had a sense. And I had been a stage manager, and actually after I left Burning Man, 
Mary Mitchell, whose play name was Hail Mary. I'm sure there's another Hail Mary on the play now, but Mary Mitchell, she became the burn area manager in 99, 2000. And she had taken the part of my job that was stage managing for the Butto troupe when I moved on. And she was, oh, you know, I'm going to start doing, I was like, yeah, stage managing and security are kind of the same thing, you know, same job. I mean, we just sort of hung around. I mean, this is the thing that groups, when they form, that's how they form. It's the people, you're in a group of people and someone says, let's do something. And the last three times they said, let's do something. It was awesome. And there was something for everyone to do and it felt good. So your group, you're managing things. John Law's coming up with crazy stuff. I don't know how Vanessa fit in that thing. She obviously was dialed and everyone's like, well, put her at the top of the list. So it's all you people working together who just felt natural about it and knew how to do things. Right. Form that you, know, um, you know where you can see that really clearly is um, in uh, Chuck Serino's Car Hunt video. Chuck Serino, Weird America. So... Oh. Weird America did um, several Burning Man pieces. He's a friend of ours. He did a he was a TV producer, and he did really great TV. And he did a video of the Car Hunt event um, on BlackRock. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Um, Vanessa, John, I mean, it's a whole bunch of people. It's a bunch of SRL people. I did not go. Um, I wish I had now, of course, but, um, <clears throat> Always go uh, yeah, that, so they did this event called car hunt right. on the black rock desert. And, um, you know, they made up an Oldsmobile remote control and then they got in trucks with guns and shot at it. I think I actually have seen a, a, a clip of it. Now that you say remote control and an, yeah, and an Oldsmobile, yeah, like, yeah. like a sedan. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vanessa's in that very prominently. So this was your crew and you were obviously one of the people like, yeah, we're going to do this thing and we're not going to turn it down and take responsibility for this. So yeah, yeah you're going to be on the list. When they say that she's head of security, it doesn't say head of the Rangers. Had the Ranger moniker not been put on all of that yet? No, it had. I mean, it definitely had. I mean, the Rangers were the security team, you know? I mean, it definitely was the Rangers, it was kind of like Michael Michael was the head of the Rangers and right. Vanessa was the head of security. And it's the same group. It's right. not like there were two different, you know, so. Right. Titles. We just did an episode on the Burn Perimeter Safety Group and how that has had 5,000 different names over time. It's just, that's what Mary Mitchell did, was the Burn. That's, they were Burn Art Team or Burn Area Team. Yeah. Yeah, team, yeah. So, 96, it was security, which was Rangers. There was 10 functional people. You gave me the names, which was so awesome. And the other ones who are, of course, uh, you know, HR. Useless, yeah. Were there any other things to do that year other than the unfortunate accident? Okay, so, um, why don't I just start chronologically? Um, Vanessa and I drove up on the Tuesday, um, and... Um, I was in my car. She's in her car. Um, I think we both had passenger. I, I had a passenger. I can't remember if Vanessa did, but, um, we got to Gerlach and there were people sort of there. So we were like, follow us. We know where we're going. We get onto the playa. Um, we stop our cars, we draw a line in the playa and we all hold hands and step over it. We get back in our cars. We start driving down. It was a 12-mile 12 12 mile track. 
and it's starting to get dark or it has gotten dark and we come upon John Law's van with its blinkers on and um, Steve Coe runs up to our cars and goes, he's dead, he's dead. I, at that point, I didn't know who was dead, um, but it was Steve Coe and Lisa Galley in John Law's van. And Michael Fury had ridden his motorcycle and they had been drinking at Bruno's. They got out on the playa. Michael Fury was doing circles around the van and went head into it. So anyhow, um, this is Vanessa turns to me. Huh? Yeah, Before this is Tuesday. Started. Okay. Yeah. So, so Vanessa turns to me and she goes, take these people into camp, get John, get Larry, get Michael. I was like, okay. And I mean, at this point, I didn't even know where I was going. Driving in the dark on the plot, like my responsibility to get these people safely in the camp. I don't know what happened. I don't know who died. Not fully built. There was nothing. Yeah, no. Yeah, so um, I get into camp and I'm running and I'm, you know, yelling. I'm like, John Law, you know, Michael. And out on the 12 mile track, somebody has died. I don't know who. Vanessa is there. Like, go. So anyhow, um, John went out there and John was the one who went, accompanied the body to the morgue, you know, da, 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 da. So I did that. Tuesday, the event week and the event technically then started th Friday or something or Thursday or? Yeah, I mean. Whatever, who knows. We started charging people at the gate on Wednesday. Gotcha. Did anyone come out to, with sheriffs or anything or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we already had really good um, relationship with um, the Washa. sheriffs, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were great. Washa and Pershing, they were great. I wish I could remember his name. Maybe I will at some point. So you got them, they came but out. Any, like, that was awful. And and the next day it was like a pall. Um, and I had already had all kinds of like weird spiritual portends of doom. So it was like, shit, this is going to suck. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's got it out of the way. I mean, okay, portent of doom. We had the doom. Well, no, it just felt like like nothing had started yet. Um, and then the next day, uh, there was someone lost on the playa, Angie. Um, and actually, this is a really fucking good story. This is like one of the best playa stories ever. So they're like, we went to the hot springs. Angie got in her car and she never showed up at camp. Oof. And we're like, okay, let's go look for her. So we spent all day Wednesday driving around the playa looking for this person in a yellow Volvo that kind of puke yellow Volvo that like completely would blend in with the playa. Yep. Um, this is Wednesday. The Tuesday we Wednesday. Got, got that motorcycle accident. Wednesday we're like search and rescue for yeah. the box that looks like the color of the playa. Right. So J.D. Bogman goes into Bruno's. He goes into the bar and he's like, and it's late and he's talking to Bruno and he's like, yeah, we're looking for this lost girl. Bruno goes, the lost girl. She's in room five. Um, <laughs> and what happened is that Angie, and we're still friends with her, Angie had put her Volvo in a ditch 
along the side of the playa. She had walked along the train tracks all night long. The train came and she ran beside the train screaming. And you know how long it takes for a train to stop. Like, it takes like half a mile for, yeah. yeah. So the train stops. What? Picks her up and takes her to Gerlach. What the? Where Bruno feeds her and puts her to bed in a room. Oh my gosh. That's how far, story. how far out was she in the playa to get to the railroad? I mean, it must not have been far. Well, she, had, she was like right on the side of the playa where, the, yeah. where there's those giant divots yeah. right before the train tracks. So she was right. right along the train tracks, but she was way out there. She walked all night along the train tracks, hoping that it was leading to Gerlach. Oh, because she didn't know. Oh, well, right. Yeah. She had no yeah. idea, fucking idea. She could have been going the other way, which is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, that was, yeah, that's like, and actually I just relived that story with Angie last year. It was pretty funny. I was like, remember that time? (laughs) And so so J.D. Bogman decides, I'm going to go to Bruno's, just whatever. Yeah, get a drink. We've been looking all day. (laughs) Okay, so what happened Thursday? Yeah. Okay, Um, so Wednesday night was a full moon, and um, Bogman and I... um, volunteered to do the gate all night long. Um, and so we were the gate. Right. And we didn't have any, like, there was no gate. There was no. No. It was just us standing there. Well, didn't you have the, you had a trailer, right? Uh, actually, did we have a trailer? We had a trailer in 95. Was there a trailer there? I feel like maybe there was. Oh, I feel like we had this bus. I don't know. But um, anyhow, we sat, sat up all night, you know, people trying to get in, trying to like, you know, oh, we're, we're bringing a DJ, but we're like $35. Um, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. even back in the day, like I'm, I brought my unicorn horse. It cost me a lot of money at $35. <laughs> and, and we were like not playing around. Um, um, the, the, the lore yeah. goes about that is that Bob Lynn would say ticket or money, ticket or cash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with a ticket or cash. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, although there was one guy, um, he drove up and he was like, really like kind of, whoa. And he was like, I'm a local, you know, I work at the gypsum plant and we we're like, Oh, okay. And he's like, in town, they call me Charlie Manson. <laughs> we were like, go right in. <laughs> so, Let's go right and wrong in so many ways. Go right in. And then three days later, I saw him with a chick. And I was like, Charlie Manson got laid. <laughs> oh, dreams happen at Burning Man. Yay. Right. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, so the rest of the weekend was... We had 11 medevacs. With choppers or just uh, ambulance? Um, yeah, uh, I think six were choppers, I feel like. Um, there was one, this is another really funny story. So we were landing a chopper. We had all the sheriffs and everyone with their cars faced inward. Nighttime, their mm-hmm. lights on. Oh, because you were. Um, that was my, my next question. Where are you doing it for a landing zone? Were you using the grassy knoll? But no, you were just using cars and making a spot on the desert. 
Yeah. Land. Okay. Yeah. We would just create a circle yep. with vehicles land yep. here. So we're landing the chopper and this girl <laughs> with no pants on. No. Goes running to the chopper. And a sheriff pushes her out of the way. And she goes and she sits in his car with his police dog. <laughs> and the sheriff looks at us and goes, get the naked girl out of my car. <laughs> so we grab her. And we put her in a ranger's vehicle. And she's lost her mind. Yes. Completely, you know fetal position, can't speak English, like can't yeah. speak human language, whatever. And we had behind the ranger tent, and the ranger tent was a 10 by 10 pop-up. Yes. It was an easy tent. Yeah. An easy up tent with two tables. <laughs> Actually, one of them was my table. So <laughs> Best. we had, I, I had brought two sleeping bags because I thought I was camping. Of course, I never once slept in my sleeping bags. I slept at Bruno's during the day. But we, we had moron camp behind the ranger tent. Morons was where the morons went. And so we put her in a sleeping bag and put her in moron camp. And because I was the night shift, I was all night, I would get on the ply at like 6 p.m. And then I'd work until 9 a.m. And then I'd go to Bruno's and sleep. So... I, when she woke up at like eight o'clock in the morning, I was like, hi, do you speak English? And she's like, yeah, where am I? And I said, moron camp. Do you know where your pants are? And she was like, where are my pants? (laughs) You remember the helicopter? (laughs) She's like, no. No, I loaned her clothes. <laughs> but we had a lot we had a lot of people spend the night at Moron Camp. Did you guys put up Moron Camp or was it just an area what was there? My sleeping bags. And well, actually there's a bunch of sleeping bags. And you know, we would like ask people to donate food and water to the morons. Yes, there was a guy who hitchhiked in from Sparks with nothing. With no things. That's Just hitchhiked that, that, in. That happens we every, like, year. every year. You're a fucking idiot, man. Yeah, glad to know that they're still there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a place like, to put people. Yeah, it turned into Moron Motel. You know, it turned into right. blah, blah, blah. Now it's called Sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, so I'm friends with Alexandria, who okay. started Sanctuary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are, the, yeah, so, those are the rangery things you were doing. And then, you know, like perimeter stuff. When, when we knew something big was going to happen. That year, the big things were the House of Doors, um, the L.A. Cacophony Society Toyland. I mean, there were a bunch of big projects, but anytime we knew that there was going to be something big exploding, you know, we would go and do the perimeter. And, um, you know, obviously the Helco right. burn. So there was the 10 of you, and if they were all awake or all functional at the time, would you be grabbing people to help or would you just be directing people? I mean, because there are a number of people there then that year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I think, I think we estimated 10,000 was the top, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the peak. And I mean, that's the night of the burn when all the yahoos from Reno yeah. showed up. So was it hard to keep uh, up? Yeah, I mean, we, we would deputize people. We would make people, you know, there was no real, we didn't create 
a real perimeter. We didn't have caution tape. We had no things. There was no, there was us. I had a bullhorn. <laughs> like, I had. Back up. <laughs> You're going to burn. So I had learned after Larry had asked me to be Beatrice, the angel of divine wisdom, I started to get really into it and I bought angel wings. And in the old days, we would have a pre-party it was very much like the decompression. It was like a pre-compression right. at SoMarts. And we would display the man at SoMarts inside. Uh-huh. Hmm. And we would have a whole thing that happened at SoMarts. Big art and performances and all kinds of stuff. It was a fundraiser for the event. Actually, in 95, mm-hmm. the event at SoMarts was so fantastic they created a sort of one foot high wading pool in the shape of a V in front of the man. So the neon reflected in the water. It was fantastic. We did a boat buteau performance. <laughs> As you do. In the water. Um, but anyhow, so um, because I had done security at that event, and I wore my angel wings. And actually, Doug Wellman has a really great video of it. Doug Wellman has a ton of video from this time. And actually, he has a really great video of the night of the burn in 96, where there are people rushing past me, and I'm in slow motion. No! <laughs> oh, there's unexploded ordnance in that pile. <laughs> no! Anyhow, there's one, a really good video of... Um, Flash as um, Satan at the SoMarts event. Really great. <laughs> so I knew that wearing angel wings, people would listen. Oh, better than a clipboard. If you're an angel with the radio, people fucking listen to you. And the night of the burn in 96, that picture I sent you of me in front of the man, and there's just oh, yeah. my outline of the angel wings. Right. I made everyone sit down. <laughs> Like before the man, before that man was lit, I walked the whole perimeter and I made everybody in the first three rows sit down. Sit down. They're like, okay. (laughs) The nice angel told me to sit down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and and it works. It fucking works. I have done that a hundred times. I wear angel wings to protests. I wore them at the WTO protest in Seattle. If you're wearing angel wings, there's a certain amount of gravitas to what you say. Uh, I am so sorry had happened. Yeah, so I had, I had worn the angel wings at the SoMarts event. And as soon as John Law came back from taking care of Michael Fury's dead body, um, he started calling me angel on the radio. So that's how I got my name. I was ain't just angel. I wasn't danger right. angel. That like sort of came later in the week, uh-huh. but I was just angel on the radio. Right. So that's how I got my play name. John Law and, it on the radio. On yeah, John Law just said, and, and I knew who he was talking to. He never called me Jennifer on the radio. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, that being able to make people do stuff. One thing that happened that weekend is John and Vanessa and I definitely made a decision never to be involved again. And what we would do is something fucked up would happen and we'd look at each other and we'd go, 
We are no longer in the festival business. We are no longer in the festival business. We do not have to do this ever again. We're going to do it this weekend. So, so we had really, Did you know, because there was so much bullshit leading up to it. Yeah, and it was so, it was so fucking like awful and hard and just like stuff, like bringing things and sourcing things and getting people to do stuff. Well, no, not pre-event. It was more at the event itself and just seeing how, I mean, pre-event, there were all these meetings, you know, and everybody was involved and it was all working in this together and da, 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 and then, the, and then at the event, Larry's off talking to the media and we're doing all the work. We were doing all of the work, porta potties, making just everything, like all the dealing with everything and all the stuff. So I walked into center camp and John Law is digging the trench for the power for this, for center camp. And I was like, John, stop. And this hippie comes walking up just, hey, I just got here, you know? And I was like, here's a shovel. Dig a fucking trench, hippie. We need help. We need fucking help. John Law is digging a, a 25 foot radius trench into the hard, no, stop. We need- Yeah, there are people who will love to do this. But it was so annoying. <sighs> So after the event, did you go back? Have you been back? Did, did nope. you? That was it. I went back to Blackrock with the land speed record car, Craig Breedlove's land speed record mm-hmm. car. I did their website and shit like that. And I went out twice, three times to the Blackrock when they were out there. And I kind of realized that the problem was the desert. To me, the desert is actually what makes people so egomaniacal is the void energy whatever issue you have blossoms into some kind of monster right and the land speed record car was where we came up with the name gerlakistan <laughs> still in use. yeah you have to oh i have to go to gerlakistan it's like <laughs> actually joseph predax asked me to go back in 99 and i said it like as a paid you know he wanted me to be on the emergency services. And I said, um, I will go back if Larry gets on his knees and begs me to come back. <laughs> so that was like my, like I knew that he would never do that. Yeah. So that was like my out. Like I won't go to Burning Man unless Larry begs me. And now he's dead. So he can't. So I can't go back. So it's impossible. So Pred was, Pred was around in 96? Yeah, that was his first year. First year there ever. And uh, was he working with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. He was basically like my assistant. Huh. Or, I mean, you know, I mean, he he was like still, he's like, I just got out of the police academy. He was all like amped up on emergency services. And I actually worked for him later for his Mars thing. Uh I would help him. I I got my EMT license and I would help him um, at raves, go do security and medical services at raves. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was all, you know, kind of like excited. Yeah. yeah. Excited. And with that crew and he was new enough to watch yeah. what's happening. And, yeah. 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 And yeah. eventually it worked out for him. He did good. Yeah. Yeah. He took over and, you know, yeah. wrote a book, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, people parlay that into a, a career life. Yeah. yeah. They got paid. Yeah. All these, are, these, are good, these are good things. Yay. 
Yay. Well, thank you for this interview. I cannot tell you how happy I am. I was in the shittiest mood the last two days, and I am so happy now. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm glad. Well, like, yeah, well, I should send you. I should like pay you. This is like my therapy bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, you think this is post-traumatic stress? Just wait. Yeah, I mean, you know that. You know how to survive a, an apocalypse is a lot like how to survive on the playa. There you have it. Female leadership in the Rangers, way before all our time. Thank you, Jen Holmes, for that afternoon. It seriously was fun. And thank you all for listening. And I'm hoping you're looking forward to next week's episode of. Women in khaki. Have a great week. Radio. 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 Check. Next week's episode, what is he talking about? So, here at the Radio Check World Headquarters at the Department of Institutional Memory, we work together. We create things, and sometimes we create them, and then we throw them out. However, I don't want to throw this out. I made a complicated intro to this episode with Jen Holmes, and we all decided together that really for this episode, we wanted people to just be able to turn it on and get into what we're talking about. So we chopped out this gigantic intro I made that explained the sheep ranch sessions and this and that and the other thing and gave a teaser for next week's Women in Khaki episode. So I'm going to leave it on here. It's going to be an intro that was on this episode and now is lost, but you get to hear it anyways. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of our team. I wish we could give you places to leave comments on our little Podbean site, except that that's the free version and it's very limited and we love using it, but we don't want to pay for anything because we're cheap. And, uh, and we don't want to get rid of anything because we spend a lot of time making it. So here's the original intro to this episode. Radio check. Over. <laughs> Welcome back to Radio Check. We've made it. We've almost gotten through the entirety of the Sheep Ranch sessions. They were all recorded in one weekend, January 2020, Sheep Ranch, California, with Rooster and Tabitha joining the next weekend from San Francisco. We captured a lot of great conversations. However, we've heard your feedback and agreed that Radio Check needs more of the female perspective of rangering, so we're going to interrupt our Sheep Ranch sessions and do just that. A lot has happened since we recorded those earlier sessions, and no one is really having retreats right now. We're all communicating over the interwebs. So welcome to VCheck, virtual radio checks. We've got a couple of them already in the can and are looking to do more. A preview of the future excitement, The Women of Khaki, the first episode in a series featuring women, talking to women about women in the Rangers. You'll learn who, how, and why the women of khaki started, and the frustrating women have to put up with being a go-getter in a male-dominated, resistant to change, and under-informed world. This week, we're going to combine the female voice of rangering with my new goal to create a series of episodes that explore who put you in charge. Who put you in charge? Who put, who put you, you in charge? charge? Talks with ranger leadership. But wait, a woman has never led the rangers. <laughs> How much you are about to learn. We're going to join my intro to a discussion I had with Jay November Holmes, a.k.a. Angel.
Radio Check is executive produced by Crow and Splinter, produced by Splinter Keeper and Slip On. Music is by Mark Harder, has been by Thomas McElroy, a.k.a. Apparatus, and Chris Hominick. Thanks very much. Have a great week. Radio Check.